0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, today is quite a day, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out if it's a good day or a bad day or what. what. I mean, listen, if if all that happened today is we woke up and... um, Ian Rappaport just went on Twitter and said, hey, just so you know, Panthers got um, uh, Stephon Gilmore, Packers got Razul Douglas and um, Jalen Smith. I think most of Packer fans have been like, dude, that's crazy. Packers are definitely going all in. They went out for that. You know, I mean, there's not that many guys out there. Somebody gets dumped and they're the one of the teams that goes and gets the job done. And we got a backup corner and you know, he's not super special, but he's Probably an upgrade over King, maybe an upgrade over Stokes. We still don't know exactly what he is. What a great day! But that's not what happened today. (laughs) And that's not what's happening right now, which is why, prior to this, I was listening to some uh, Barry White, a little bit of John Legend. Um, I don't know, Spotify put it together for me, but it, it, it felt right. I got some tea. I haven't had tea in a long time, but we got this little water dispenser that's got like the hot, cold, medium thing. I don't know. You just push a button, I guess. And it's some piping hot stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I'm doing tea because I need to calm down anyways because everybody, for some reason, and I'm not sure what that reason is, but for some reason, everybody's real mad. And I can't uh, can't quite figure it out. The biggest thing that I noticed, um, the uh, there's a lot of frustration and um, I think confusion about this whole Stefan Gilmore and even Jalen Smith thing, and I think I want to start there. And it's hard to know where to start because this has been a pretty crazy day. The, the, here's the tweet that I put out, and let me just start there and we'll kind of elaborate from there. What I said is, quote, Guys, let's all take a minute and think why in the world the Patriots would get rid of him, talking about Stefan Gilmore, and why the best deal they could drum up was a 6th, and by the way, it's a 2023 6th, not a 2022 6th. You would think that that's not a big deal, but it absolutely is. Before you get mad, take 30 seconds and try to figure out why, what the NFL is telling you about Gilmore. And I got all kinds of responses, none of which really added to the conversation whatsoever. The, the biggest one that I got a lot of the time is, what about this player? And they point to a time when a player went away for cheap and did well. Unfortunately, most of the examples they gave, people weren't given away actually for that cheap. Uh, one example that was given was actually a second round pick, which is a lot. And I think the other two examples I got were fourth round picks, not next year's sixth round picks. And I mean, next as in like, not the upcoming one, but the one after the upcoming one. So two years. Beyond that, that's entirely beside the point. Listen, if if you, let's say we're drafting somebody and you put grades on, or, or you know, you're, you're it's about to be the draft and you're talking to a GM and he's like, I got a first round grade on this guy and a sixth round grade on that guy. What is the GM telling you about those two players? The first round guy is better than the sixth round guy. The sixth round guy you don't think is all that good. The first round guy you think is very good. And if all you can do is say, what about the time that somebody was drafted in the sixth round was good? That's irrelevant to the conversation. It's not that they can't be wrong. And if you're, the entire premise of your argument is that I think the entire NFL is wrong, and I'm right, despite the fact that you probably haven't even thought about, talked about, contemplated, or seen Stefan Gilmore in years. And all you know about Stefan Gilmore is he's that guy over in New England that supposedly is really good, but I don't know because I don't really watch a lot of Patriots games. But I'm going to have an absolute meltdown over this and then declare that the entire NFL stacked with NFL... Um, pro personnel, which are like a scouting department, but they just watch the rest of the NFL. All 32 teams, including the Patriots, are looking at Stefan Gilmore going, this ain't the same Stefan Gilmore. Again, is it possible they're wrong and he's going to be great for the Panthers? Of course. That's beside the point, though, because the problem that I have is so many people are coming into this, and it's the same with Jalen Smith, with the idea that these are elite prospects that can change the course of our season. And it would be irresponsible not to do it because we win a Super Bowl with them. We don't win a Super Bowl without them. And that is such an absolutely absurd position. Neither of these two players, I'm very sorry to burst your bubble, neither of these two players are, are massively important in terms of winning a Super Bowl. And I, and I went over this point um, last year when everybody was mad about um, Jordan Love as though he's the reason that we didn't win a Super Bowl. And it's like, if you, if you, because, you know, let's say Denzel Mims is the big example. We could have gotten Mims. Oh, okay. Mims was a decent wide receiver, I guess. But we have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, best offensive line in football, uh, Alan Lazard, blah, 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 MBS, I guess, for whatever that's worth. Kenny Clark, to, uh, probably the best at the time safety duo, number one corner. We have all of this, but can't win. But if we had Denzel Mims, then we win. You know, just the absurdity of it. Now I understand with with the corner thing the, the the need and this is this is another tact somebody took. Well it's an, it's an upgrade and we need the position. That's fine, but you don't need Stefan Gilmore, do you? Again, people like to use certain things and just throw it out there and hope that it derails you. But if that's your argument, then why Stefan Gilmore because we already we just got a guy so you should be happy, right Razul Douglas boom nailed it. you just wanted a guy and we got one. So you're happy now, right? No, you're not. You just felt like saying that because you wanted to win an argument. But it's not even about that. The point is, again, you think Stefan Gilmore is an elite player, and what I'm trying to tell you is that he's not. Or at the very least, he hasn't been. For the last two years, he's been injured and not very good, and he's 31 years old. Same exact thing I said when I talked about the 49ers and the Bears, remember? This is not 2019 or 2018 anymore. This is a different year, and different years bring different challenges and different kinds of players. Just because X, Y, and Z were good in 2019 for the 49ers doesn't mean they're good now. That was my argument, and look what happened. We beat the 49ers. Why? Because we're not playing the 2019 49ers anymore. We're playing the 2021 49ers who are not as good. Chicago Bears, exact same thing. Every The whole premise is if we could just get a quarterback, we're going to dominate. Why? Because everybody's stuck in this idea that it's still the 2018 Bears, But the only reason that they're declining is because the offense can't get their act together. But it's still, you know, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and the same guys and all that for the most part. Except it's not the same Khalil Mack. It's not the same Akeem Hicks. It's not the same any of these guys. And then you lost your corners. And I just, I get so frustrated with this, and I say it every single time. Every time we hear a big name that used to be good a long time ago, we lose our ever-loving minds and assume this is it. This is the move that's going to get us there. And I understand fantasy land, and if you want to play and have fun, and believe me, if we would have got Stefan Gilmore, I'd have been happy and excited and played along with the what-ifs, and maybe he gets back to form. And if he can, dude, him and, and Stokes, and eventually he and Jair and, and, and Stokes, maybe Jair goes in the slot. I don't know. It's going to be amazing. Maybe not, but we can play with it. We're going to do that with Jalen in just a minute. But I just get so frustrated with people that refuse to acknowledge that it's not the same guy. And we just, we were given absolute proof by 32 teams, one of which is the Patriots, who said, it's not worth it. And yeah, there there was a contract. Well, that was because of a contract dispute. Okay, but (laughs) if the guy was worth it, you'd keep him, though. That's the point. They, they there, there was a... He wanted more money, and apparently, and this is from the same media that said we were really interested while Razul Douglas is out there practicing. But apparently, according to them, they were willing to give him more money and and like an extension or whatever, but he, he got hurt again. And then I guess he just had like an attitude, and they're like, you know what, I'm done with this guy, get him out of here, I don't care. Okay, so, but the point is, if that's Jair Alexander, you don't just go, eh, never mind, get him out of here. The other line of thinking that a lot of people have is, well... They could have, something along the lines of, well, they, they could have gotten more compensation for him. One of the lines of, of thinking, I guess, is the Patriots just decided to let him go to the place that he wanted to go because he has a house there or something. So they were nice enough to give him away for a 2023 sixth round pick. I'm sorry, but if there's first, second, or third round picks in the upcoming draft that are on the table right now, the Patriots would have done it. They wouldn't have been like, nah, we're just going to send him to Carolina. The point is, it is a reflection of his value. That's that's not disputable. Well, if he'd have gone to the open market, he would have made a lot more. So why didn't he go to the open market? Because they found a deal. And what was that deal? A sixth round pick in two years. Why didn't somebody offer a fifth in two years? Or a sixth this year? Or a seventh this year, which is probably worth more. I don't really know how that all that conversion works. That's all it takes? Nobody wanted to do it. And remember, the Patriots also could just say, nah, we're keeping him. He didn't force his way off the team. The Patriots are like, I don't really care. Just get rid of him. It is a reflection of his value. And again, they can be wrong, right? I mean, look at uh, David Bakhtiari, right? The entire NFL was wrong about David Bakhtiari, technically. The entire NFL was wrong about Tom Brady. Of course, there are outliers. But you're, you're, you're comparing your understanding of Stephon Gilmore which is just a name that I know is good because he was good two years ago to 32 pro personnel staffs and have the arrogance to just stomp your feet all over Twitter, blasting every anybody and everybody that's like, I don't know, maybe he's not very good anymore. And and people lose their minds. Of course, he's going to ah. calm down, relax. He's not an elite football player. There's a chance he can rebound. There's a chance Razul Douglas could be an elite player. By the way, in 2020, Razul Douglas was like three spots below um, Stefan Gilmore as far as his grade. They both, I mean, I think it was like 62.2 compared to 62.8 were their PFF grades last year. Because, you know, Stefan Gilmore was not good last year. He was pretty good two years ago and was really good three years ago. But he was also hurt last year and he's hurt again this year. And he's 31 years old. And he's not even going to play until week seven, apparently, which also is going to hurt his value. So yeah, I mean, maybe this turns into another TJ Watt situation where he ends up being elite and Packer fans for the rest of eternity will never shut up about it. Maybe. The only thing that annoys me is if he's bad, nobody's going to mention it ever again. It just goes away. And we just pretend that there's nothing to learn here. And the next time that we pass on somebody, we lose our minds again. The other hilarious thing is that then every single Pack... Well, not every single, but a large portion of Packers Twitter were stomping their feet around saying, this is the most Packers day ever. This is the worst day. I hate the Packers. They're horrible. They never do anything. They never care. They don't care about this team or this franchise. And they just they just want to lose all the time. And then the only other big name guy that just got cut, that's just sitting out there, boom, the Packers pick him up. And then where did those people go? They vanished into thin air. One of them was texting me and I said, are you happy now? He said, well, I, I don't believe it until it's official. That was, his, that was his response for the day, which to some extent I understand because you never know. But the point is certain people don't want to be happy. They definitely don't want to give the Packers any credit or, God forbid, have to admit maybe I was wrong. I thought he was really, really good, right? I mean, this, this is what a rational person says. He's really, really good and he's going to go for a lot of money. That's what I thought. He said he wanted 15 million bucks. And in my head, I said, I bet he's going to get it too. He didn't. He got traded for garbage, for just flat-out garbage. And so in my brain, I said, wow, maybe he's not that good. I mean, I know that he wasn't last year. I know he's been declining for a while, and I know he's injured, and I know he's old, but I still thought there would be quite a market for him. You know, especially as we get into the season, I thought, you know, you start talking about Tampa, and they go real hard at stuff, and the Cardinals now all of a sudden are like, dude, we're contenders, and we could use a corner for sure. You know, certain teams are looking at this like we got a shot at a, at a at a title. And the Packers too, by the way. You know, we got a legit sh- shot shot, we certainly need a corner right now. And so I thought that there would just be this kind of big, long drawn out conversation and and lots of calls and this would probably take a long time because there's a whole lot of going back and forth and there's 20 teams interested and it's going to take a while to sort through this. It didn't. It took about 5 minutes to to figure out what the best offer was and take it. <laughs> so again, rationally, I just thought, guess I was wrong. There wasn't even that strong of a market. And I don't know why everybody else can't just look at it that way. Well, maybe he's not that good. Oh, well, it's not like it's going to make that big of a difference anyways. And again, if your only thought is, well, we still need somebody, we got Rasul Douglas. So what's the problem? If if we're acknowledging that maybe he's not that good, but we need to do something, we did. So it's a great day. We got Rasul Douglas to come on in and take over that spot and help, you know, be some sort of a rotational guy. I don't know exactly what his job is going to be. Whether he's number one, two, or three, it's, it's completely up in the air, in my opinion. I really don't know, but he'll probably play some. And so we get our depth. We get a guy that has historically been more, and we'll go into depth on some of his stats and grades and everything, but just in general, the point is, be happy. We got our corner. He's a capable football player. Not great, but not horrible. He's a guy. Better than Yadam. Historically better than King. Nowhere near Jair, but you know, obviously you're not just going to pick a guy like that off the street. And Stefan Gilmore has not been the 2018 version of Stefan Gilmore since 2018. So relax and be happy and just, just freaking calm down. Dude, I'm not going to lie, man. I like tea. Like chamomile tea for sure. I'm a big, you know, that sleepy time tea. I think it's delicious. It really does just kind of Maybe I'm, you know, I'm I'm talking to the wrong crowd because it's it's not exactly like sitting down and cracking a beer, but if you're not drinking, it really does just kind of like just relax you. Feels good, feeling happy. Oh, you know what I need to do? You guys ever go on TikTok? You know, I I'm going to I'm going to help you out real quick. If you're ever in a bad mood, if you're ever feeling stressed out, you might have seen this guy, you might not. I don't know. I don't even know if I know his name, but I'm going to try to I'm going to try to find him. I'm going to tell you who he is and he's If you're having a hard time falling asleep, just just binge this guy. So go on TikTok. He might be on, he's probably on like Instagram and stuff too. I don't know. I mean, why not? But he's got 3.3 million followers. He probably puts most of his time here, but it's old time Hawkeye. He's actually from uh, Michigan, but he just like makes food and has a calming voice and, and says that you're his buddy. For some reason, that's, for some reason that doesn't creep me out. I don't know. It's weird. Like, I feel like, yeah, dude, yeah, we could be buddies. And like, he's got this shed that he built out back and it's like this rickety shed and he's got like an old school... Like real old small tube TV and he plays like Sega Bassmaster with like a, a what is it called, Verner's Soda Pops? Dude. I don't know. It wasn't my childhood, but somehow it's still nostalgic. Anyways, just here's like 10 seconds. Well, hello, buddy. Please join us for movie night with the Lost Boys and an orange creamsicle milkshake. A scoop vanilla and a scoop orange sherbet with about a cup of cold orange pop. That was probably more for me than anything because I needed to calm down. But um, he's also, by the way, a lot of thoughts going through my head. He's also a Lions fan, and I guess the Detroit Lions invited him out to the, uh, the stadium and kind of like to hang out. It was, it was actually a pretty cool video. By the way, also just dawned on me, this is exactly the kind of guy I want to have on the podcast. Like, I very rarely want guests, but I keep thinking, like, who would be the most random guest that I could have? That kind of makes sense, but maybe it doesn't even need to. Like, (laughs) and I know I would just lose all my listeners, but I, somebody sent me a clip of, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Conspiracy theorist. Jones. Anyways, whatever. What is his name? Alex Jones. I don't know why I thought it was like three names, but I was watching that clip and the only thing I could think, it wasn't even like the stuff he was saying. It was just like, if I had him on the podcast, you know how funny it would be? Like I'd be asking him questions about the Packers and he'd be talking about frogs and aliens. I just, I don't know. I got a weird, I got a weird thing. I'm a weird dude, man. I just, I feel like that would be the greatest thing ever. Like really vibrant personalities or just unusual personalities that really don't care about the Packers. I don't know. I just, I just want to do it. I want the guy from American Movie very badly. Actually, probably like at least two characters from that. I want Alex Jones, even though it's going to get me canceled and everyone's going to stop listening to me for giving him a platform. I want this guy, the ASMR Hello Buddy guy. Who else should I add to this list? I thought about trying to reach out to Joe Biden, but I figured that probably wouldn't probably wouldn't work. It'd be it'd be hilarious though. Everybody wants to get like a football player. I just I think that's I think it's always kind of dry and boring. You know what I mean? Like my job is to like kiss their butt and and like speak all reverentially and then they pretend to care about me and my podcast and it's just it's I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to do that. I wonder if Billy Idol would come on the show. I just, I just Googled him to make sure he didn't die. He was born on the same day as me, so we share a birthday. So I could I could open with that, be like, hey, Billy, we have the same birthday. How about on our birthday? Because I'm sure you're not doing anything. It's not like you're a famous rock star that probably has awesome birthday parties. Maybe we could, like, hang out together and do a podcast about the Packers. British rock star guy. Is anybody with me? Or no? All right, let's move on. If you do have ideas, though, hit me with it, because I... uh. I need ideas. And I also need to, it's like, it's like when I, when I complain about not winning the lottery it's like, well, do you play the lottery? It's like, well, no, but still like, why can't I ever win? Have you messaged any of these people? No, I haven't. I would start with Alex Jones. Cause I feel like that would give me the best shot because he's like deep platform, but it also, I'd be too nervous to do it. Cause I'd be like, that's, I like my podcast and I don't want to, <laughs> I'd get so much hate. <laughs> oh, but part of me is drawn to that. Anyways, what's next? Why don't we start with Jair? Um, not a ton to go off here. It's still an unknown. They're still kind of going through talking to the doctors. So we don't have anything definitive yet. However, the kind of bad news is um, they did say if he needs surgery, he's he's done. At least I think that's what it, he's done or he's probably done, one of the two. But let's just say if he needs surgery, they're, they're going to shut him down for the year. So they're trying to obviously avoid that. But then you're also concerned. I mean, you got to remember... Jair is young. We're just about to pay the guy. You're hoping that you get him for another, what, five, six years, whatever. You don't want to like permanently damage him for one year. I mean, I know some people are listening to like, yes, we do because <laughs> this is our year, but, um, you don't though. So I don't know. I guess we'll see with bottom line is we didn't get anything definitive, but that was the one big takeaway. Um, it sounds like either he's going to kind of just play through it or he's going to need surgery in which case he is done. So, um, Kind of scary, and obviously, I mean, that was kind of my first thought when I heard about um, that we were interested in, I'm so tired of trying to think of these guys' names, interested in Gilmore, and also when we already brought in Rasul Douglas. They're at least gearing up for the very real possibility that he's not going to play, and of course that hurts. And I understand that's probably part of the the passion and the frustration, because losing Jair, a lot of people feel like that that dooms our season, and I completely understand that. I don't, I mean, obviously we know that that's not entirely true, but it's it's scary. And so the, the again, I'm, I'm kind of reading your mind, and maybe this isn't what you're thinking, but I'm trying to empathize to some degree. The feeling is this is our one real shot to get a guy that can actually be considered a replacement for Jair. And there may be some truth to that, because like I said yesterday, there's really nobody out there. And at least with Gilmore, there's the possibility that you could get an elite player. And I think that's fair, because there really isn't anybody... I don't think Razul Douglas has that possibility, other than just some complete fluke, which does happen. You know, it's like his fifth year in the league. It's possible that change of scenery, new scheme, new DB coach, new defensive coordinator, that whole thing, maybe he just blows up. It does happen, but it's extremely rare. But you never know. But again, from that standpoint, I can kind of understand it. Again, my only frustration is the assumption that we know that he's... The Stefan Gilmore. And it's I just wish we could be a little bit more realistic and take a little bit of the edge off of the anger that's directed toward the Packers and everybody that disagrees just because we know because we don't. But anyways, speaking of Mr. Razul Douglas, you know what? actually, we're twenty one minutes in., uh, why don't we take a break? We'll talk about um, we'll go in depth on on the three guys that we're talking about. and and just just to kind of put a final pin, in uh, gilmore and it's, it's you know it's not an official pin but just to show you what it is that i'm talking about and then we'll kind of go down the line also we did some polls in patreon i've been having a lot of fun with patreon um i want to do more with patreon i'm hoping people aren't getting annoyed with the constant messages i'm i'm on the verge of canceling one myself because someone keeps sending stuff but i think for the most part people are enjoying it i'm trying to not be too intrusive and to make it kind of interactive with the polls and everything else so i hope that you guys are enjoying that And again, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 per month. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There is a link in the description if you want to check that out. Otherwise, uh, we'll take a little break and we'll come right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Learn more at marines.com. By the way, it wouldn't be a, a full day on the Packernight podcast if we didn't talk about Justin Fields. The Bears are officially moving forward with Justin Fields. Um, by the way, all jokes and bitterness aside, I think that's the right move. I think you just got to do it at this point. You know, it's it's he is the future. Obviously, Andy Dalton is not. Him coming out, playing, and winning the game even if it even if it's not impressive even if you're the coach and you're a, a complete nerd and you're looking at it like but he didn't his drop wasn't right and and the the the, the read was this and blah blah blah, blah 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 he came out he won he's the future just just let him play just let him play you know teach him let him grow you know focus is for next year anyways this is a learning time help him to get better this year it's just it's it's obviously the right thing to do in my opinion i don't know what do i know what do i care but all right, let's look at the, the three men in question. So Stefan Gilmore has not played a single snap in 2021 because he's been injured. The plan is for him to come back in uh, week seven or so to be able to play. He also did not finish out last year. Uh, he played weeks one, two, three, four, six, seven. Five was probably a bye. Then he was injured weeks eight, nine, and 10, came back for week 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, did not play 16, 17, and whatever other weeks that there were. Now, if we look at his grades... Um, he started off in Buffalo. He wasn't very good with Buffalo, to be clear. He was a number 10 overall pick, very highly touted, picked in 2012. His first year, he graded out at a 61.3 overall grade, 700 yards given up. He gave up three touchdowns, had one pick, eight pass breakup. right? Just 61 coverage grade. 2013, he had a 56 coverage grade, 60 overall grade. Again, nothing super spectacular. Then he had a better year, 73 overall grade. Gave up five touchdowns, which is a lot, but he had three picks and two pass breakups. Next year, seventy-one overall grade. Again, he gave up kind of eh, not too many yards, I guess, six hundred sixty-six, which is up there, but not the worst. Again, gave up five touchdowns, which is a lot. Had three picks and fourteen pass breakups. So pretty good. Nothing super elite. Week or week sixteen, uh, year twenty sixteen. He regressed again. This is year five for Buffalo. Sixty-three overall grade. Ultimately Buffalo decided to let him go. And so he goes over to New England. He goes to New England and in his first year, change of scenery, the whole 9 yards, 83 overall grade, right? Plays 1027 snaps. It's a, pretty much more than he ever played in Buffalo outside of his rookie year. 87 coverage grade, basically elite in his first year. Um the next year 2018, he has a 90.9 overall grade, 90.8 coverage grade. He's also suddenly a good run defender, tackler, pass rusher. He's doing a little bit of everything. He had 20 pass breakups in that year. 20. Stupid high number. 2019, it goes down a little bit, but still 82 overall grade. Only allowed one touchdown, which is the only other time he'd done that was 2013. Had six interceptions and 13 pass breakups. Absolutely absurd. Then in 2020, he drops down to a 61 overall grade. His lowest since 2013, the second lowest of his entire career, uh, 58.5 coverage grade. He did miss a few games here and there. Uh, Looks like, what did I say? Weeks uh, 8, 9, 10, and then, so he missed like five games. I guess it's kind of a lot. He allowed two touchdowns, had one pick and two pass breakups. So again, smaller sample size to some degree, but it's still a very low number. Um, for example, if you doubled his snaps, it would come to four touchdowns and two interceptions. That's more snaps than he played in 2019. But let's just say it's it's half, right? That's still not good numbers. It's, it's high for touchdowns and it's low for interceptions. If you look, if you zoom into 2020, and it's not like, well, he was injured, that's why he played poorly. No, he didn't get injured until week eight. He had a 52 overall grade week one. Week two was 57. Week three was 59. Week four was 84. So he dominated then and then he went back down to a 58. Week seven was a 50. Then he gets injured. He comes back week 11, 60. Week 12's 49. Week 13, he gets a 74, decent. And then he falls off again, 14, 60 overall grade, then 55 overall grade, and then he gets hurt again. So he had two good games last year. Two good games. Two good games. He's hurt twice. He's hurt s- still, I guess. He's 31 years old. Again, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't look at the fact that just, I mean, two years ago isn't that long ago. He was that good that I can't see the six interceptions in 2019 and 13 pass breakups, or in 2018, the four interceptions and 20 pass breakups. I see it. And there's no question if it was the Packers that got him, I'd be looking at it going, look, pump the brakes. He's been struggling. He's been injured, and we don't get him for a few weeks. But on the off chance we get 28, 17, 18, or 19 version of Stephon Gilmore, this is an elite football player. That's what I would be saying if we got him. And that's what the reality is for Carolina. But the point is... Everybody's just assuming that's the reality, and it's not the reality. It's a it's a possibility. But the more recent reality, which was 2020, he completely tanked, and that's when he hit 30 years old. So we have to overcome that reality first. So I don't know what's going to happen. I completely understand the reservations and the hesitations on top of his contract situation, on top of giving up draft capital and the whole nine yards. Packers saw Razul Douglas, and they're like, here's a guy that graded out basically the same as Stefan Gilmore last year. We'll get into that and he costs very little money, and he's a veteran, he's been there, he's consistent, we can at least trust him to not be a complete failure, hopefully, fingers crossed. Let's just go with that. And again, I think the Packers were in on this. They, they you know, they, Again, they always make calls, so gauging between making calls just to see what's going on and very serious interest, I don't know. But do I think that they called? Yeah, why not? We need a corner. Check it out, I guess. But again, when you see the compensation, what, 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 what do you think they were willing to offer? You really think they got on the phone? They're like, we really want him. What do, what do you want? And they're like, hey, the Panthers are going to give us a 2023 sixth. What can you offer? And they're like, <laughs> are you out of your mind? He's not worth that. You have insulted me, sir. You have brought shame to your house. This is a scandal. I'm going to wash this phone. Good day. I mean, it's it's, a, it's an absurd conversation. Again, the idea that they're super into it. But then hear that com- the compensation, and they're like, Nah, I don't know, man. It's a little steep. It's silly. It's it's just silly. All right. the The unheralded pick here is Razul Douglas. I know everybody wants to hear about Jalen, and we're going to get to Jalen, and that's where we're going to spend probably most of our time. But um, this is this is a big pickup. I mean, he might be CB one for all I know. Of. If if they're still kind of iffy on Stokes because he's unsure, and maybe King, you know, he's he's King. At the end of the day, he's probably going to play. Um, is he great? Nah. But if we go over his four years, very up and down, mostly down, but most, well, he's right in the middle. So Philadelphia picked him in the third round. Uh, The biggest issue is somebody, uh, Mr. Negative, immediately fires off. He finds other people to come up with the negative takes, and then he shoots me the negative takes because he doesn't know. He just wades around until he finds somebody being angry, and then he's like, what do you think about this? Somebody spouted out. He's slow. He runs a 4.59. Okay. Xavier Howard... Arguably best corner in football, four five eight. Tremon Williams, four five nine. Are we good now? Just chill. It's as if the Eagles didn't know what his 40 time was when they drafted him in the third round. Anyways, 26 years old, so there is a little bit of a younger factor. There's a chance that maybe he's a pretty good football player. You know, we got we got King there. We got Razul Douglas. Maybe King takes a walk. Maybe Razul takes a one year short term kind of little, you know, we'll see what happens. Who knows? But anyways, Philadelphia took him in 2017. 2017, 64 overall grade. Very similar to what we said about Stephon Gilmore. Gave up uh, 436 yards, which is not very much. Um, did give up three touchdowns, two interceptions, seven pass breakups. So um, he's he's oddly consistent with these things. But that's what he did there. 2018, 72 overall grade. So that's actually quite good. So again, there's there's that level of potential. 666 yards. Um, three touchdowns, three interceptions, and a pass breakup. Again, three. So I I just got to say this, three touchdowns, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, four touchdowns. That's what he's given up in the four years. I'm 100% fine with any of that. I think the biggest difference is um, he doesn't give up a lot of yards. That's not a ton of touchdowns. He doesn't get a lot of interceptions, and the pass breakups have have been getting better. But anyways, we'll we'll take it a step at a time. 2019 Philadelphia, he had a 52 overall grade. This was his big drop-off Um, he gave up 488 yards again, not very much, but he only played 583 snaps. So he's a rotational guy. You got to do the math in your own head. That is about half. So we're, we're pushing, pushing 800 yards on a full season. He also gave up four touchdowns, which again, you could almost double that. He had zero interceptions, nine pass breakups. So you can kind of see why, although it's not horrible. It's like, you know, if you kind of squint your eyes and tilt your head, that kind of sucked. So they're like, all right, we're done with this guy. 2020, he goes to Carolina. Carolina actually gives him a decent opportunity. He plays 821 snaps. That's a full slate. He played, looks like from what I can see, the full year one, two, three, four, five, six, didn't play seven, nine, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17. So he missed one week in there somewhere. Tweet something one week. No big deal. 60 overall grade. Again, average. 60 coverage, 60 tackling, 60 run defense across the board. Gave up 616 yards. Again, not super terrible, just kind of normal. Four touchdowns given up. I can live with that. Zero interceptions is the one thing that kind of sticks in your craw that you wish was a little bit better. You know, it's kind of like a pass rusher getting pressures, but no sacks. He did have eight pass breakups, though. That's not bad. If we kind of zoom into 2020, here are his grades throughout the season. 75, 62, 60, 61, 57, 78, 60, 27, 74, 66, 22, 68, 69, 66. In reality, there's two really bad games there. Every other game is fine. Every game, um, with the exception of Atlanta, where he had a 57, which is just barely below average, is either average or good. In those two really bad games that he had, uh, one against Tampa Bay, uh, 11 targets, six receptions, 93 yards, no touchdowns given up. Um, To be clear, we've seen both Jair and Kevin King give up 100-yard games, so... Um, you don't ever want to see six receptions, 93 yards. He's obviously got got picked on in that game, but it happens. Against Denver, with his 22 overall grade, four targets, four receptions, 83 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, that's that's pretty vicious. <laughs> that's 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 bad. A bit, but you know, again, whatever. The the encouraging thing here is if we look at Razul Douglas and say, okay, he's going to have a couple bad games, but for the most part, he's going to be kind of steady Eddie. Um, he'll give up, let's see, what are his typical yardage? Maybe if you, if you do an average, he gave up 44 yards a game, tolerable, About four targets, 44 yards, and he gave up, uh, four touchdowns on the season. Again, no interceptions, which is annoying, but whatever. I mean, to be, to be completely fair, Jair is not exactly a ball hawk when it comes to interception. He had three last year, two the year before, and one the year before that. So, I don't know. And really, looking at Joe Barry's defense, it's it's kind of just just don't get killed. I mean, everybody kind of just does good enough. Stokes isn't elite, but he does good enough. King, you know, same difference. Uh, the defensive linemen, you wish they were a little bit better, but they're not getting gashed in the run game. It's okay. So, it's not flashy, but it's it's just a thing. And that's really all you can expect. And I just I just hope that what he's done in his career he can do here. If he can do better, even you know, even better. But I just expect sort of a steady Eddie. He's not gonna be great. He's gonna give up some receptions, it's gonna be frustrating, but it shouldn't be too bad. All right, last but certainly not least is Mr. Jalen Smith. Now, here's the situation with Jalen. Very similar to Stefan Gilmore, people are way too high on Jalen Smith. This is another guy who is a name that for whatever reason people associate with just being a super elite football player and um, are extremely high on and just assume that he's just going to be this dominant guy that somehow got away from Dallas and we sweep, swept him up and now it's just going to be great. That's not entirely the reality, but there is reason for optimism. I kind of put it out there on Twitter, but here, here's the situation. If we just look over his grades, and again, they're not terrible, but here's what they are since 2017. He was a second round pick. Uh, number thirty-four overall. So basically, nearly a first-round pick. Trying to remember if Jalen Smith is the one I really like. I need to figure it out because he was my first, like my first ever draft crush, and I can't remember. There was like two linebackers in this class. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. Twenty sixteen draft class. Because I should be more excited if this is the guy because I wanted the Packers to get him so bad. Oh no, it was Miles Jack. This is the guy I didn't like, (laughs) and I think he was hurt. And, and Dallas took him anyways. So Jalen Smith is the one I wasn't super high on. Miles Jack, I think, is the one that I really liked. Anyways, his grades over the years, 69, 84, 70, 54, and 69 and a half. Now, again, that's not terrible outside of 2020. And you can say that's very similar to Stefan Gilmore. Wait a minute, he had a bad year in there in 2020. Isn't that the same? Well, kind of, but he also played a little in 2021. It's not been bad. And he also kind of has been fairly consistent. There's So the difference is, with Gilmore, you had a certain level of play with Buffalo, which was s- decent, kind of similar to what we see with Jalen Smith here. Then he went to New England and blow up, blew up, and then completely fell off, and now we don't know what he is. With Jalen, there's been like a let's call it a consistent seventy, and then basically two outliers, really good in 2018, really bad in 2020. So very similar to. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, you can look at this and say, there's a lot of potential here. And there really is a lot of reason to be excited, but there's also reason to temper your expectations. Again, he's not the savior. He's not this elite. Um, what you know? Think of, he's not Brian Urlacher or whoever your favorite linebacker was back in the day. He's not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Here's, here's the interesting thing though. So th- th- that's just sort of his general grades. Couple, couple little tidbits and notes number one is the Joe Berry factor, which is kind of interesting because after week one, we're kind of looking at the Joe Berry factor being this thing where guys are trash and um, don't know how to coach defenses and should be fired. Um, but at this point, <laughs> when you look at Devondre Campbell, and, and here's the thing, I think a lot of people are looking at it like, oh, so yeah, you said Devondre wasn't going to be good because he hasn't been good, but it turns out he's pretty good. That's, that's, that's fine, but I don't know if that's the right take. Remember, remember this preseason when I talked about how we never had linebackers at the top? In fact, every single year, I just keep backtracking more and more, prior to Mike Pettin, we had a couple linebackers, and they were doing just fine. Mike Pettin comes in, and every single year, our guys are at the bottom, and the guy that leaves, Blake Martinez, goes to the Giants, and again is at the top. So we're kind of talking about scheme fit and system and all that stuff, right? Different for different people in different places. But our guys were always, always, always at the bottom. And we always put the blame on the linebackers. And to some degree, maybe there's some truth to that. Doesn't really matter. The point is, he's gone now. New guy comes in. He's specifically a linebacker guy. He really cares about linebackers. He puts his linebackers in very good spots to succeed, possibly making it a little bit easier to be a good linebacker in this system compared to Mike Petton's system, right? Devondre Campbell comes in, but not only is he dominant, every single guy from Oren Burks to Chris Barnes and everybody else suddenly is not only not the worst on the team, they're consistently every single week the best on the team. Let me read you Devondre Campbell's grades since 2016. Ready? And by the way, three different teams, 55-69, 56-50-49, 82.2. His worst grade so far through four weeks was week one, 64.8. Since then, 64, 80, 70, and 84. He's been great against the run every week except one against San Francisco. He's been great in coverage every single week except one, and that was week one against New Orleans. There, there, I, I really just think it's, it's number one, possibly just very good coaching. He is a linebacker coach. It's what he does best. That's his thing. Number two, though, is the system that he operates. And I can't speak on that level, but the system that he operates. And again, I saw it a little bit in the preseason. It just seems like guys are in the right spots and they always happen to have something that just kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? So so that's, that's what I mean when I say the Joe Barry effect. It's not, you know, he's this elite, you know, Because I know a lot of people don't really like him. I don't want you to think that's what I'm saying, that he's this elite wizard of a defensive coordinator that it makes everybody great. I'm talking specifically about this system that he runs makes linebackers thrive. And I don't know anything about what Dallas does. I know that they've drafted guys really, really high that have not done very, very well. So I'm guessing it's not the most linebacker-friendly system, but who knows? Here's what else I know about Jalen Smith. He's always struggled in one area. Now, not in 2019 when he was good at everything, and not necessarily in 2018, but in 2017, 2020, and especially 2021 this year. And it's something to keep in mind because we're probably going to see it. And, And Dallas Cowboys fans right now are laughing at us because they probably observe this as well. Horrific, terrible, really bad, no good run defense. I'm talking real bad. Um, his overall grade in 2020 was a 47. In 2017, it was a 53. So far this year, a 37. Through four games, his grades as a run defender: 46, 55, 45, 46. Now his tackling is superb; always has been. Every single year for five years, he's been a great tackler. So what we're probably talking about is his ability to stay in his lane, shed blocks, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Here's the thing, though. I think what we're gonna have our dueling linebackers, and and similar to our outside linebackers where we have rotation. I think there's going to be heavy rotation with the guys we have, and Jalen Smith is going to be put in a position to succeed. Now, obviously, he's a linebacker. He's on the field. He's going to have to play the run at some point, right? That's just the reality of life. But that's not going to be his main thing. Here are his main things. Number one, coverage. Here are his coverage grades through five years. Uh, 73-80, 60-64, so far this year, 82 As of right now, looking at coverage linebackers, Devondre Campbell is 7th, Jalen Smith is 3rd. We have two top 10 coverage linebackers in the NFL right now. By the way, just overall, Jalen Smith is 15th. So we have the 15th highest graded linebacker and the 5th highest graded linebacker in Devondre Campbell. Again, we have a defensive coordinator who is a linebacker guy who leans heavily on his linebackers, but also remember what Coach Hahn talked about, about having that one guy That's going to be able to drop in that Tampa 2. When you got Tampa 2, what do you got? You got two safeties playing high. And the problem with two high safeties is that it leaves a void in the middle of the field. So, what Tampa 2 is, is it takes a linebacker and it shoots it straight up in the middle of the field so it covers up that middle. So, as they see the two guys up top, they try to shoot and attack the middle of the field. Quarterback wants to go that direction, and you got a linebacker taking it away. That's Jalen Smith. By the way, Jalen Smith ran a 4-4-4. That is blazing fast for a linebacker. Dude can move. And he's also 245, 250 pounds. He's not small. He's not like one of these 235-pound guys that flies around the field. 245, he can he can thump. Again, he's a good tackler. I think that's a primary motive here, but there's one more thing that that's probably not super talked about with, with Jalen Smith, and it's something the Packers don't do very, or didn't do very often. But we saw it a lot in the preseason, and I wanted to see a lot more of it now, and I I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of it, and that is blitzing our linebackers. We're starting to see our linebackers mug up to the line of scrimmage, right? They, They start coming up on the line of scrimmage, threatening to blitz. Sometimes they come, sometimes they drop. We don't have a lot of guys that are super experienced with that. We've seen Oren Burks come quite a bit. He actually has done a pretty good job in the limited opportunities, again, mostly in the preseason we saw. But again, we saw in the preseason linebackers blitzing and blitzing and blitzing and it worked and it was effective and remember we're kind of struggling with pass rush a little bit so finding guys that can do it is important Jalen's done it a lot in Dallas he had a lot of experience with pass rush now his overall grades have been diminishing over the years if you look at grades it went from 90 to 84 to 68 to 64 to 51 it literally went down a little bit every year from elite to not very good this year but just by sheer volume if you look at Devondre Campbell, for example, in 2017, he, he brought pressure 13 times. That was his highest ever. Otherwise, he's doing single digits. Jalen Smith, he had 12 in 2019. In 2018, he had 17 pressures. They blitzed him 89 times on the season, 17 pressures, 4 sacks, 5 hits, 8 hurries, and 1 batted pass. Now, he's only done it twice so far this year, which is not very much. But again, that may just be a scheme thing. The the point is, Joe Barry doesn't care what he's doing in Dallas. He's looking at the prototype of this guy. By the way, Matt LaFleur has ties to Jalen Smith in Notre Dame. Uh, Matt LaFleur was a coach at Notre Dame with Jalen Smith, so there's already ties. He also fits the culture. Apparently very, very good dude. Aaron Rodgers has talked about that. Said he's a fierce competitor, but he's always smiling, always having a good time. Great, great person. So he fits the Green Bay culture in that regard. Matt LaFleur knows him. Matt LaFleur likes him. Joe Barry, I think, really wants a guy like this. And remember, he's made every single linebacker that's come here heads and tails better. Nobody on this team was any good. Chris Barnes, everybody really liked him. But again, I okay, if you say so. Devondre Campbell, though, went from... I... Being barely, barely adequate, if if we're being polite, barely adequate to one of the best linebackers in football. It's only four weeks, but he's been consistently dominant for four straight weeks. What what happens with Jay? And, and the other thing is the fact that we have Devondre doing a very good job. This takes work off of Devondre's plate, and it's also going to take work off of Jalen's plate. He's not going to come in here and have to be like when they drafted him. He's the star. You're a second-round pick. You better be a star. You come in, and we have a very specific system, and it's going to be a little bit easier for you because of the way that I do things, and you know what your job is, but you also got Devondre, who's got your back, and he's killing it right now. He's absolutely tearing it up. He's going to do his job. You're going to do your job, and this is going to be a duo. I I mean, I don't know. I know last year we had one of the best safety duos in football right? I don't know if that's going to repeat. I don't know if they're going to get it together. I don't know. There's a real possibility. This is one of the best linebackers. I mean, as of right now, I think we might have the best linebackers in football, as stupid as that sounds. And I know, again, Dallas Cowboys fans are, are laughing and, oh, why did they get rid of him? Listen, I, I, I already said the guy struggles, and he's one of the worst run defending linebackers in football. But overall grade, he's doing fine. Coverage is a major asset for him. In five years, he's only given up five touchdowns and has two interceptions and fourteen pass breakups. He's not perfect. He's got his flaws for sure. But this is this is he he went to a team that is you know Oren Burks and and you know Chris Barnes and et cetera et cetera. At the very least, we're getting a guy that can do things that other guys on our team can't in the coverage department, in the blitzing department. At the best. He has a, a massive leap the same way Devondre Campbell did, but instead of going from um, irrelevant, not very good, to one of the better ones, if he takes a leap, it's going to be top two, not two kind of territory. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. I'm just saying there's there's not that much room to go. He's, he's already, I mean, the only thing is if, if he cleans up his run defense, and if he does, then he's got run defense, tackling, pass rush, and coverage. I, I mean, what else do you want from the guy? So, I mean, again, don't get your hopes up too high. He was cut for a reason. He's not going to be super pricey. Um, he has deficits. He does give up passing plays. It's not like nobody can throw on him. He's, he's you know, impossible to play. You know, he, he he gives up passes. He gives up yards. He gives up runs. I'm sure he fails at blitzing more often than he succeeds at blitzing. But he's got a very high ceiling, and he's coming to a system that seems to just somehow turn linebackers into superstars, and I don't really know how that happened. So feel free to get excited about it and feel free to not be upset about Stefan Gilmore. Let, let that be the Panthers' problem. And if he succeeds, guess what? So what? So what? Big deal. I don't know what else to say about it. But I do know that I need to get going to bed. So you folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I'm sorry we haven't talked about the Bengals yet, but this is a pretty intense day. Um, also, we got a football game. So that's a thing, but I'm not going to talk about that because I'm done. You folks have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.